The following podcast is presented for informational and or entertainment purposes only, with no intent of determining a psychological diagnosis or as a substitute for treatment. If you or anyone you know is struggling with mental health and or substance abuse issues, call the SAMHSA National Helpline, 1-800-662-HELP. 1-800-662-4357. Learn more from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration online at www.samsa.gov. Engaging Minds is brought to you by Daranot Health, addiction coaching and private in-home rehabilitation. Your life, your home, your recovery. Daranothealth.com. Dr. G, and welcome to Engaging Minds, where we like to look at our world from a deeper, more psychological point of view. And I'm very excited about our subject today. It's on the biopsychosocial component of addiction. And the honored guest who's going to help us dig deeper is Dr. Evelyn Higgins. She's an internationally recognized expert on substance abuse and process abuse. She's an award-winning radio show host sought-after keynote speaker and founder of Wired for Addiction and my new friend, <laughs> Dr. Higgins, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, my bestie, Dr. G. <laughs> Thanks, my bestie, Dr. Higgins. So, you know, Dr. Higgins, one of the things that uh, I find really hard to deal with as a clinician, as a clinical psychologist, is this idea that Patients have so much shame when it comes to their addiction that they feel as though if they had more willpower, that uh, perhaps they have a moral flaw, and that's what's causing them to have this addiction, they'd be more successful in their recovery. And what I've come to understand is there's such a powerful biological component when it comes to addiction. And when I found out about your work, I was so excited because you delve in so deeply to help us understand what that component is. So I'm wondering if you could share that with our audience. Absolutely. Great opening question, Dr. J. Thanks. Because you know what? It's addiction is not a moral flaw. Yet still in 2023, with where we are with science, we still put that drape around the whole process of addiction. And that can bring somebody to an even worse place than where they're at to start to own there. There's something within me. So what we do at Wired for Addiction is take a deep dive into someone's physiology and see biomarkers related to addictions to substance abuse. So what kind of biomarkers do you find? And are, here's a two-part question. Sure. Are they different for someone who may have a substance abuse or alcohol, uh, uh, be an alcoholic versus someone who has a behavioral addiction, a food addiction, et cetera? I'm just fascinated. Right. So great question. There's not a, an, a, a gene per se for each one of the addictions. What we do is we look at 85 different biomarkers, starting with neurotransmitters, hormones, and then I'm going to use a science term here, but we won't lose anybody. I love science. No, no, no. I actually am someone who likes science. <laughs> so it's a SNP. That stands right. for single nucleotide polymorphism. All that means is that there's an error in genetic coding. 
So we can identify that, we isolate, we identify, we measure. When we do that, we can now pinpoint those biochemical pathways that are troublesome for that individual. So be it a mental health situation, anxiety, depression, OCD, ADD, ADHD, be it um, alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling, pornography, whatever, whatever it may be, we are going to see where those weaknesses lie. It's just that that individual found pleasure in whatever substance or, or what they chose as their way to self-medicate. Exactly. And, you know, one of the questions, again, as a clinician, because that's my role is I go, okay, that's great information, Dr. Higgins. How can I apply that when I'm working with a client? How can someone, uh, you know, apply that when they're working with a loved one or in a family? Right. So oftentimes when we go over someone's um, lab panel, they actually start crying. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you can identify and it's not me wanting to be this way and upset the apple cart in my life and everybody around me life, but we've identified what's going on. So let's say. Uh, I, let me, I, I imagine that must be an incredible relief for someone. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So much pressure to go. Oh, okay. Now I have something concrete to deal with. Now I have something to understand about myself that again coming back to our original statement this isn't just a moral flaw or a lack of willpower right it's a disease and we start it's like diabetes or whatever heart disease right. right you know somebody has diabetes we don't ask them why they're so weak but if someone has an addiction that's that's fair game for a question or so we think so we identify these biomarkers what that does for the individual as well as for their loved ones all of a sudden they say i get it you know what had i never even talked to you and did any intake we would still see the picture of how that you are acting clinically, the clinical correlations to what we're finding in the biomarkers. So for the individual, for anyone in their world, all of a sudden it starts to make sense. Yeah, that is a key. It starts to make sense. They can start to put their narrative, their exactly. life story together. And I guess it would be a great help for a, like a psychopharmacologist or a psychiatrist in their treatment and choice of medication. Absolutely. That's one of the lab tests that we do. We don't have the patent on that like we do for the Wired for Addiction panel, but on, on the pharmacogenomics, so that you take a, someone's sample, uh, just like we would do any kind of buckle swab, and we would then see what medications would be healthy for them, sure. would not have any adverse effects, would be effective for them, or would be ineffective for them. I can't tell you how many times someone's been on an SSRI medication or, or an antidepressant, 10, 15 years. And then we do these lab tests on them. We're like, first of all, you have no serotonin. So that was not the one that was going to yeah, work. That wasn't a great choice. Let's right. let's do something right, else. Right, right. Right. That wasn't a great choice. On top of that, when we look at that particular um prescription in your labs, we see that it's cautionary, that you're going to have adverse side effects. So all those other things that started happening as a result, it makes sense. We shouldn't be guessing in 2023. I think that's the key element. We shouldn't be guessing. And the science is there. 
What I love about what you do, it's something I do in my own work, you know, in my company, Darenot, which we do concierge right. detox and alcohol rehab in the privacy of someone's home. Here, there's a plug. But, <laughs> but the reason I do it is because I, I really feel that there has to be individualized programs for each person, that each person who comes to us has a, has a different, as you would say, genetic makeup. Right. Or we would say behavioral makeup. That's the behavioral component of why they do what they do. So having that information is tremendously valuable. And what it also does, I believe, Dr. Higgins, is we can separate the person from the illness right. and go, okay, that's an illness. That's not you as a person. We're right. going to make you dynamic, successful, help you find your passion, help you overcome you know, your addiction. But we also have to deal with the illness, which, again, is something separate. And then we're going to put you back together again, like, like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about addictions as a biopsychosocial disease, as this triangle, yet that bio part really has been left out. You know, I, I that was my attraction to your work. I, I have always felt like I just skim over it in my work, and you know, because we're trained as psychologists. Oh, well, it's nature and nurture. But when someone asks you questions about nature, you never really know how to answer it. You just go, well, you know, it's complex, and I don't really know what to say because there wasn't really the work wasn't there, or I wasn't aware of it right, until right. I found out about your work. Right. You know, so much of the technology that we use has only been made available within the last several years. It wasn't it wasn't something that we had yet. So what happens? We both know when it we're in the health medical world, it takes time for people to think a different way. It takes time to disseminate information. And we shouldn't, as we said earlier, we shouldn't be practicing like it's 1950 or 1970 when we have this technology available. No, I agree completely. And, you know, you mentioned the biopsychosocial element. We're talking about the bio, the psycho, but what about the social element? How does that play into it in, in your opinion? Sure. So um, one of the particular SNPs, those polymorphisms that we look at, <laughs> would tell us that someone sees the world as the glass always half empty. Okay. You know, and, and when you identify that, you're like, wow, doesn't that make sense for this individual? But for that person themselves, they sit back and say, you know what? I do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if we'd identified that. Do you feel people are predisposed for that? Like genetically? Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah, interesting. That's what we're looking at predispositions. So, so someone would say, you know, I do always view the world that way. Okay. Now that we've identified that, well, we're going to work on the physiology of that. Let's work on the action steps of that. Let's work on the behavior. You know, the, what you do, if right. we know that's your go-to, every you know time you get there, <laughs> like time out, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah. But you know what I love about that? Because suddenly I felt, okay, I grew up in a family that doesn't look at everything half empty. It's completely empty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just no hope no matter what. Why even bother? But now that I feel like, oh, okay, well, that's something through my own growth, therapy, et cetera, I've had to learn to deal with. I go, oh, okay. It makes so much sense that I would be biologically, genetically predisposed to that. You just have to meet my parents and you could completely understand where it's coming from. But what it does for me in my own understanding is even in that moment when you said it, I went, oh, okay. Well, no wonder I think that way. It didn't all become so personalized that there was something inherently wrong with me. 
Right, right. And I, I think that's so powerful. I was wondering, you know, you, you said about society, like, you know, this isn't 1950s, this isn't 1970s. How do we get society to catch up with the scientific, you know, understanding of what you're doing? Because people are so entrenched in their belief system. Right, right. It's education. And it's things like what you're offering here on your podcast. It's 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 having talks. It's getting that information out there, sharing with other physicians, with other clinicians, with other therapists saying, this is going to make everybody's job easier and we're going to have better outcomes. So, you know, let's start to bring this information into what we do. Let's start creating a change. Can you also try to, you know, apart from we talked about addiction or what we call process addiction, but for our audience, you know, things like gambling addiction, sex addiction, shopping addiction. Can you actually test for those too? I mean, are there markers for that? So they're, like I said earlier, it's not going to be um, identified, okay, here's sex for you. Okay, here's yeah. alcohol for you. It's going to be those biomarkers that tell us where the weaknesses are. And it's what that individual first finds as the self-medication, which becomes their go-to. Got it. You know, I'm sure you see people with multiple addictions. It's because they found pleasure in the self-medication of more than well, one. Yeah, I was just going to go there. You know, a lot of times, like I said, I have a... One of the things I've worked a lot in is in the obesity community. I worked for a bariatric center for okay. years where I had to do the intake. And I noticed that, um, well, a couple things, especially around obesity and food addiction and, um, you know, binge eating, there was so much shame because people just feel, well, that person's you know, obese because they have no willpower. And the person believes that too. Right. But what I noticed is even when they have the bariatric surgery, many times and they'll lose a hundred pounds, they cross addict. Yeah. They go into alcohol or they go into, like you said, a, a, a behavioral addiction. So it seems like the addiction, addictive component is just so powerful within right. their genetic makeup. Right. How many times do you hear out of your patients that, okay, I'm going to stop drinking, and then they're, okay, I started on XYZ pill, or whatever, there's that, I just switched, Yeah. you know, and, and, and you kind of try to kid yourself for however, how long that goes on for in each individual, you know, I, I haven't drank in six months, but now I find myself- I'm smoking pot every day, so that, you know, right. Exactly. Yep. And it's okay now that it's legal. I can do it every day as though. So. I, I, I was going to go there, but I thought we're going to get complicated with the legality of it. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, just because it's alcohol is legal doesn't mean you have to drink it Bingo. all day. Right. Um, so how about, okay, so a fan, someone comes to you, what, what is the actual process, the testing like? What would someone go through if they came to Wired for Addiction? Sure. Great. So we see people all over the world like you do, and we would drop ship the lab kits to them. You know, right. like any other kind of um, collection samples, we get instructions from the office. Don't eat these foods. Don't do this. Don't do that. For 48 hours prior to the sample, take the samples. They go off to the lab. We get that information back about two and a half weeks later. From there, we create what's called a biomarker evaluation report where we go over each one of these 85 biomarkers and you clearly understand 
how you wound up where you are. And then we go over the protocol, what we're going to do to change those biochemical pathways. And that's the whole epigenetics, another science. Right. But the really cool stuff that exists today that we know we can do. Yeah. And then, you know, a person like me steps in and go, okay, well, here's all the triggers you need to start avoiding. So your biology doesn't can take, take control of you. Right. Um, you know, or what about Mark? What about things like depression or anxiety? We talk a lot in our field about dual diagnosis, Correct. where I feel as though it's usually quadruple diagnosis when someone has yep. addiction. It could be strong elements of depression, anxiety, PTSD, etc. Is that incorporated into your testing? Absolutely. Because almost everyone, and I say almost just to do a disclaimer out there, everyone (laughs) has a dual diagnosis. And as you say, you know, a quadruple diagnosis, everybody does. The the addiction is just the self-medication of what's the underlying factor. Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it OCD? And the list goes on and on. And those things have been diagnosed and maybe treated incorrectly or undiagnosed this whole time. So that's a big part of what we do, or else this is just going to be part of the cycle of someone's been to rehab how many times and proudly tells you, I've been there X amount of times, because you never got to this foundational aspect. of your. And you never embraced it or really understood it, that this is, so when you say, when I say to someone, well, you just can't drink, and they'll go, well, maybe I can have one, that's always, you know, the bargaining, and I'll go, no, actually, based, you know, having your work would right. reinforce right. for me to exactly. say, well, you know, based on your biology, that's never going to work out. Exactly. And that is, here's what I love. That isn't my objective um, opinion. That exactly. is the science. Just like when we do psychological assessment and so I'll give someone a report and I'll say, look, this isn't my opinion. This is based on these validated, highly reliable tests. And this right. is what they're telling you. So right. you, and it helps me a great deal in my work because then I could just have something concrete to keep going back to. Like, Correct. this is Same what's thing. going on for you. Yep. If you're Same a diabetic, you can't eat whatever. You can't eat sugar. Right, right. If it's you have high blood pressure, stay away from salt. Right, right. It's objective data. You know, again, in our field, it's the only place where they'll say, yeah, yeah, I don't think so. And I don't agree with that. What do you mean? We have diagnostics, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, we, I, 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 go ahead. I, I was going to say, we've been <laughs> doing it like subjectively for so long that somehow those taglines have become okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. And a lot of times, because I just didn't have the knowledge. I just dealt with this with a client, a returning client with uh, alcoholism mm-hmm. and um he was about to start our program and then literally the night before his sister wrote me and said well he thinks he's doing okay so let's not put pressure on him now this is a guy that's been through our program about three times other programs and i just made a statement to her and i said okay but you know he's a binge drinker Mm -hmm. so he's going to be okay for a while yep and um then he won't be okay. And that's the pattern he goes through. And she got really angry with me. She said, well, you know, Dr. Glass, I wish you gave him a little bit more hope. I said, I'm just telling you the facts that without help, it's going to be really hard for him to do it because that's his nature. So had I had your test to be able to 
right. in front of the family and said, look, this is backing up my observation. Exactly, exactly. And, and and with family, great point, because it's not just the individual. We'll get calls, we'll get emails from family members the day that after we, we've gone over the information that week saying, oh my gosh, that's exactly who yeah. my loved one is. And thank you so much, because I understand it now. And it's showing him or her that you don't have the wiggle room. You know, exactly. you know, that's perfect, doctor. You don't have the wiggle room. Do what you want with the information, but it's not our uh, it's not in our subjective opinion. Correct. Yep. Do what you want with the information. Absolutely. You know, you you're you're not gonna be the guy that can have one drink and walk away. Yeah, it just is what it is. Like, you know, I know that's not an issue for me. I, I don't really like drinking very much, so I can have a drink and walk away, but that doesn't disqualify me from having other issues. <laughs> so, you know, I explain that to patients. Uh, I want to explore very quickly this idea of how do we get maybe in a deeper way society to accept this work and get, you know, get rid of more of these preconceived notions of, uh, you know, addiction is just willpower, because I think that will help a lot with creating certain legislations right. or public policies when it comes to dealing with addiction, especially like we see the fentanyl crisis. Right. So I'm wondering if you had, how can we bring this to a political level is what I was thinking of. Actually, we do a lot of work in DC and on the state level. We're Fantastic. At in, in Tallahassee, we are there probably quarterly to keep on saying this exists, this science is there and they love yeah. to. So it's, it's just, you know, pushing, doing, doing the grind, doing the grind, doing the grind, because that's the only way we're going to change things. That's exactly it. Like people move very slowly and legislation right. moves slowly. Right. So you just introduce it over and over again. It's like when you're working in therapy and two years later, a patient comes to you and said, you know, I had this great idea, Dr. Glass, and they'll tell you what it is. And you're thinking, I actually mentioned that to you like two years ago, right. and we've been talking about it since, but hey, you're there now, and that that's all that really matters. Exactly. Meet somebody where they're at, right? You, you In your mind, you're saying, wow, we did this already. But if they finally hey. all went off, we're there. Right, exactly. So, uh, Dr. Higgins, if people wanted to find out more about your work and Wired for Addiction, how could they get in touch with you? Sure. So our website is wiredforaddiction.com. Um, you can go on there. We work with individuals. We work with practitioners like yourself, treatment centers, and we work within the justice system, even incarcerated people. Um, so go to the website, take a look at it, everything. If you think this is something that you'd like to talk out, we do offer even a 15-minute consultation, complimentary, just to see if this is something that would be a fit for you. What have you done? What have you not done? Um, so, you know, share it, see it, see what's going on for sure. You know, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast on Engaging Minds. And I love when you did the little triangle, like our, yeah. our listeners can't see it, but it was biopsychosocial. And I feel as though you gave me this great tool to go, oh, you want to talk biology? Let me put you in touch with Dr. Higgins and her Wired for Addiction, because they're experts to help us understand what the 
biological genetic makeup is of someone who's dealing with addiction. So again, I want to thank you so much. I want to tell our listeners, if you missed any of that information, you can always contact me at uh, darrenothealth.com and we can forward the information to Dr. Higgins. Dr. Higgins, it was a pleasure to have you on. Dr. G, my pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care. If you or anyone you know is struggling with mental health and or substance abuse issues, call the SAMHSA National Helpline, 1-800-662-HELP, 1-800-662-4357. Learn more from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration online at www.samhsa.gov.